All right, let's get into our, our text today. Hopefully you got a Bible. Grab your Bible and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. The book of 1 Corinthians. We're moving out of the Old Testament. We finished our summer in the Psalms, and we finished with uh, Psalm chapter 23. I, it was a rich time together in the Word. Uh, and today is a kind of a filler message, and uh, we're in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, today's title of the sermon is In View of the Victory. And I, I want to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know about you, but I found myself being a bit weary lately. And, uh, and you know, it's a season of life that we're in. There's, there's seasons all the time. It happens everywhere. But you look at so many people thinking 2020 is just the worst year ever. Uh, and certainly there are, are many challenges and many difficulties that we have faced uh, individually or as a group, uh, as a church, or even as a country and a nation or as a world. Right, especially with COVID and uh, that pandemic going on and all the things that surround that, whether it's information or mis- misinformation, we-, we just don't know what to believe or what to grab onto uh, and how to respond to that. And oftentimes those situations cause us to be weary, at least it does for me. So I found myself being weary. So today, what I, what I hope to help you understand is that I've, I've had to kind of get this pep talk from the Lord. And, and usually when uh, I, I preach, it's a sermon I, and I teach, I've, I've studied all week long and uh, it's one of those things that God has really dealt th- with things in my heart first. And so certainly this message today is, is God's pep talk to me and I'm preaching it to myself first because I, I just feel such a need uh, for this pep talk to get out of weariness and get back into joy and, and a, a place of serving it with gratitude for the Lord. So uh, that's, that's kind of uh, just a precursor for this. I'm preaching it to myself, but it is also for all of our benefit. And it's called In View of the Victory, because uh, without the victory of Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, there really is a faith that is useless or worthless. And in fact, if we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I want to add a verse to this in verse 14, talking about the resurrection of Christ. Paul says this in verse uh, 14, and if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. So important that, that we see the victory that has been won and established through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without that victory, it is all in vain. It is useless. But today's passage, we're going to pick it back up in, in uh, chapter 15, in verse 54 through 58. And I'll read that uh, together, uh, and uh, then we'll pray and get, get to it. Let's actually pray first. God, thank you so much for the opportunity you've given us to, to come look to your word. God, to be renewed by your word. God, and, and when we come to your word, it is, it is and should be a pep talk every, every time. God, a, a motivation, an encouragement, God, a conviction that challenges us to, to shape us and conform us into the image of Jesus. God, let us not grow weary. God, but let us have joy and hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the victory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So open our hearts and minds today to be receptive to see every area that you want to speak to us in, God, and to be willing to change and be transformed. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to begin and pick it up at verse 54 and read through the end of the chapter. So he's speaking about the resurrection, and he says in verse 54, When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility, and when this mortal body is clothed with immortality, Then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory, where death is your sting. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But 
Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor uh, in the Lord is not in vain. So just a a quick uh, discussion here about verses 54 through 56. Sorry, through 57. Uh, he is talking about, listen, through the, through the resurrection of Christ and through faith in Jesus Christ, this mortal body, this shell, this, this thing that's going to die has been given immortality now. That although it may perish, I will not perish. My soul will live forever. That there is victory to be had in Jesus Christ and that victory will endure. That there is no sting of death anymore because of faith in Jesus Christ. And he says that, our thanksgiving should be. It says, thanks be to God who gives us this victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we go into the therefore. There's a a therefore comment in verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast and immovable, and on and on. But the therefore, why is it there? What's it there for? It's, It's there because of what he has said previously. It's there in view of the victory that Christ has won through the cross and through the resurrection. In view of the victory he's won over our souls through those of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there is a therefore. And that therefore says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, because of God's victory over sin and death, therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So we're going to focus today our message on this therefore passage, this verse 58. So number one, in in view of the victory, be steadfast and immovable. Paul exhorts the Corinthian church to be steadfast and immovable. In view of the victory of the resurrection, be steadfast and immovable. I love the imagery here. and uh, It's that imagery of not being easily shaken. It's that I could could withstand what's going on around me and I, I won't be tossed about to and from uh, we see that in the passages of the epistles where Paul says, you're, you're like little children tossed about by the waves and going any way the waves take you. But this is to be unshaken, to be, uh, not, not be able to be shake, shaken in your, in your faith, in your life. And, and I know for me, that's, that's this pep talk to me. There's, there's ways I've just been rattled and, and, and shaken and Satan's wanted to, to push me that way or push me this way or bring despair here or bring weariness there. But I love the imagery of not being shaken here. And we see that in Psalm 55. uh, The psalmist says in verse 22, Cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. And I I love this passage because he says He'll never allow the righteous to be shaken. That there is something that will hold us firm and steadfast, immovable. Well, what is that? That's Him, putting our faith in Him, makes us the righteous. But there's something else here to this verse. It says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. You know, in this, in this day of, of social media and, and media avenues everywhere, I mean, you can see what's happening around the globe through your smartphone or your smart device, through a computer, through, through the news, right? You hear it all around us, what's going on. And oftentimes we start to put our hope in one camp or another camp or in someone's philosophy or in someone's headline or in someone's research. And we start to place ourselves there. And, and what, what we're doing, we have to understand this, what we're doing is we're casting our burden on that. 
We're saying, this will help me, this will rescue me, this right here will sustain me. If I, if I belong to this side or this camp or this philosophy or this amount of research, that's what will sustain me. And the truth is, it's not what will sustain you. It says here that we are to cast our burden on the Lord, and He will sustain us. And He will never allow His righteous to be shaken. So if you're feel, feeling like you're shaken, it's, it, listen, it's not bad to look at the news. Maybe it is, I don't know. But it's not, it's not bad to be observant and to be informed. But when we start placing our hope in those things, we start, we start to be shaken. Our hope needs to be in the Lord. Our burden needs to be cast upon the Lord. So what are you casting your burden on? Where are you placing your hope and your trust? Is it in a political party? Is it in a position paper about the effects of COVID? What are you placing your hope in? I hope you're placing it in the Lord. I hope you're, you're found firm there because he will not allow the righteous to be shaking, shaken. I want to look at this word, though, steadfast. It says, be steadfast and immovable. Those are two different words, although very similar. Uh, steadfast is, is one of those almost like a negative polarity. It has this connotation of, of stubbornness to it. And I want to read a passage of Scripture out of Psalm chapter 1. Actually, I want to read all of Psalm 1. It's really short. But I really, I really see this here uh, describing steadfastness in a, in a deep way. Here's what it says. It says, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. There's these two ways being expressed here. One is the way of the righteous, one is the way of the wicked. And, and the righteous are the ones that are planted. And I love that imagery there. You see, it's, it's, it's the one that's planted. It's, their delight is in the Lord's instruction. He meditates it on a day and night. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams, and it bears fruit. See, to be steadfast is to be planted. It's to find that spot of conviction, of truth, and plant yourself there. Say, you know what, this is where I'm, I'm going to sit. This is where I'm going to plant. This is where I'm going to let my roots dig down deep. This is how I'm going to grow. Steadfast is, is a stubbornness. Now, before you get too far here and you're, you're pointing at your spouse saying, hey, see, I can be stubborn. It is a righteous stubbornness. It is a stubbornness that says, I am going to plant myself in God's word and on his righteousness and be obedient to him and be firm here and get all of the nourishment and nutrients I can from him so I can produce a fruit that looks like him. And what it says also is, I'm not going over there. I'm not going to find it there. Psalm says, it's how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. It stands against that, says, I'm not going to go over there with sinners or mockers or the corrupt. I'm going to sit here and plant myself. That's what steadfastness is. Well, then there's this image of immovable. It says, be steadfast. So we ought to find ourselves planted somewhere firm and secure in the Lord against those other ways and not going to those other ways. But what does it mean to be immovable? Well, it's pretty simple. It's descriptive in the word, isn't it? Immovable. You're not going to be moved, not able to be moved. I want to read a passage out of Matthew now. 
Matthew chapter 7. We talk about this, this person who, who delights in the Lord's instruction, right? So Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this in verses 24 to 29. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, right, delighting in the word, hears these words of mine and acts on them, will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell and the rivers rose and the wind blew and pounded that house, yet it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the wind blew, and it pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowd were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. So we have this idea of steadfast. I'm not going to go with mockers or sinners. I'm going to sit here and be planted in God and God's word and delight in that. And then as I act on that, God says, you're going to be immovable. See, this idea of steadfastness says, I'm just going to, I'm just going to plop down right here. It's kind of serene. It's, I'm not over there. I'm not over there. I'm going to plop down here. That's steadfastness. But being immovable is I have plopped down here. I have dug down deep. So when the waves rise, when the waters rise, when the winds blow, it will have no effect. It's almost like that big boulder you see in a rushing river, that one that, that sits there and it won't move, and all that water comes crashing against it and goes right around it. That's what being immovable is about. And this passage really spoke to me because it, the idea of, of being pounded from everything, from every which way, and, and wanting to collapse, wanting just to give up, right? The idea of saying, I'm, I'm done, I'm weary, I'm tired. God's like, no, no, if you listen to my words, if you hear my words and act on them, you will be like one that doesn't collapse when the waves come up. So it's so important for us to be steadfast and immovable. Not only do I plant myself, I'm staying here and I'm resisting what comes my way. This must be about obedience to the word of God, though. It's not that stubbornness that says, I'm just going to be here for whatever I want or, or, or for whatever position I want to take. I'm going to plant myself and dig down deep in the Lord. I want to read a passage out of Colossians. Chapter 2, Paul writes this in verses 6 through 10. So then just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. But, but here's, a, here's what it says next in verse, uh, verse 8. It's basically the don't get too comfy clause. It says this, Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than on Christ. That's our warning. We're, we're going to be steadfast and immovable, but to stay there, we have to be careful and not get too comfortable. If we get too comfortable, we'll lose our footing and we'll be moved by human tradition, by empty ways of deceit, by the elements of the world rather than on Christ. We need to stay connected to Christ. Second Peter, Peter exhorts the same thing. Therefore, dear friends, since you know this in advance, you, you know the waves are going to come, you know the winds are going to blow, you know we should stay in the word. He says, since you know this in advance, be on your guard so that you're not led away by the air of lawless people and fall from your own stable position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day 
of eternity. We're being exhorted to be steadfast, to be immovable, to pay attention that we would grow and mature in Christ. In view of God's victory, be steadfast and immovable. Number two, in view of the victory, excel, increase, and overflow. We see that it says, be steadfast and immovable. Back in our text in, uh, in verse 58 of 1 Corinthians 15, it says, always excelling in the Lord's work. We'll get to the Lord's work in a minute. But it says, always excelling. There should be this growth, this increasing inside of us that happens. We see that in, in 2 Peter chapter 1. I want to read a couple of verses here, uh, starting in verse number 4. And, and he's talking about this before this. He's talking about the victory we have through faith in Christ, that it's changed us. There's these divine powers from God that he's given us, right? His word, his spirit, this victory over death through the resurrection. He says, by these, he has given us a very great and precious promise so that through them you might share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort, make every effort to supplement. There's a word supplement, that's increase, right? To grow, to add to, supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. He's saying, we've got to add this to us. We have to make sure these are the things in view in our life. It's not just, I'm a Christian, I'm standing here, I'm planted, or I'm, I'm sitting here. We, if we lose focus, if we, if we don't come to the place and say, go to the word, go to the truth, let it abound inside and grow inside of you, we will lose out. But he says in verse 8, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, right, growing, increasing, adding, excelling, overflowing, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing of their past sins. It's so important for us to understand in view of our cleansing, in view of the victory that God has had through Christ on the cross and through the resurrection, there is, there is power to be had in our lives, power to help us grow and, and sustain and excel in, in that growth, excel in those fruits of the Spirit and goodness and knowledge and self-control and endurance. And if we possess those qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep us from being useless and unfruitful. Those are the, those are the words that, those are the things we'll, we'll, we'll become if we don't excel, useless and unfruitful. Paul writes to the Thessalonian church in chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians. He says, May the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we do for you. So Paul, again, is, is talking about what, what this looks like as we have this victory in the Lord. It's not just to be steadfast and immovable, but it's excelling, it's increasing, it's overflowing. And one of those things is to, inflow, to overflow and increase in uh, all these godly traits. The next one is loving one another, loving our brothers and sisters. It's a legacy that's in view, it, it's, and it's stirring up praise in other people. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul writes, we, we ought to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, think, all, think of always for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, since your faith is flourishing and the love each of you has for one another is increasing. Paul says, listen, we, we see the love you have for one another. We see the heart and the overflow you have for one another. It's not just about you being in this righteous stubbornness, standing planted. 
It's about you increasing in your faith and growth and in your love for one another. And as you do this, you're, you're living a legacy that people see. And Paul said, what, what they're doing, you're stirring in us thanksgiving and praise to our Father in heaven, our gracious, glorious God, because of what you are accomplishing as you increase in your faith, as you increase in your love for one another. He said, we ought to always thank God for you. Then Philippians 1.9, he says, I pray this. Paul says, uh, I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in the knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve these things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Uh, we we want to be excelling with, and filled with the fruit of righteousness. I want to be in a place when my father returns. And listen, you look at the times, you look at the world, it seems like this could be close. It seems like Jesus could come back any day. I don't want to be found just stubbornly, uh, righteous, righteous uh, stubbornness sitting there somewhere. I want to be abounding and excelling in service to the Lord, in love for other people, in showing and proclaiming that, listen, in Christ Jesus and through the victory on the cross, everyone can be immovable and steadfast. That there is hope and that this gospel is an anchor for our souls. That's why we excel. That's why we increase. That's why we overflow. So people would see the legitimacy of the victory to be had in Jesus Christ. We ought to be about excelling and increasing our faith and overflowing with love to others and overflowing and excelling with obedience and praise to God. Number three, in view of the victory, we ought to be about the Lord's work. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he said, Be steadfast, be immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work. So we're excelling in the Lord's work. There are very appropriate times for rest and Sabbath. I want, to, I want to say that. There are times that we need to be rejuvenated and replenished in the Word. But, but I don't think there's ever a time where we say, I'm taking a vacation from service to the Lord. Or I'm retiring from service to the Lord. I, I've heard that before. I've heard that in, in churches around the world, around the nation. I've heard that in our church. Folks who said, I, I've served Jesus for 20 years. It's time for someone else to step up and serve. Well, let's talk about that. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I, I think it's important to discuss. Uh, before that, what is some of the other work of the Lord? And, and this is the first thing. You know, we've talked a lot about this, this certainty of our faith in Christ. We've talked a lot about our, our victory that's, that's had through faith in Christ because he's conquered death through, the, through death and the resurrection, right? That this is the power we have and we see. Uh, so the, people ask, Jesus, what can we do to perform the works of God? And this is the very first, most important thing you can do. Before you ever want to go do something for God, this is what you have to do. This is the work. What's the work of God we can perform? And Jesus replied, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one that he sent. Listen, you, you can be a part of a church, you can be a part of a, 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 a Salvation Army crew that goes and helps feed the homeless or feed victims of fi uh, fire victims there. You can do all these awesome things, work on Thursday night dinner crew. You, these, these things are, are useless and worthless if you yourself have not done the work of God that he's called you to do, that's to believe in the Son, Jesus Christ. It's only by faith, belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and the victory that he has accomplished for you that you would be saved, that you would have that victory, that you could enjoy that victory as well. So I would tell you right now, friend, that, that if you're listening and you're tuning in today, wherever you are, it is your day today. If you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, believe today. Trust today. Jesus says this is the work of God, that you would believe in the one that he has sent. 
you believe in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, the one, the Lamb of God who, who died on a cross to take away the sins of the world. He died in your place because you deserve to die there. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've, we're all separated from him by that sin. But God, who is rich in mercy, while we were still sinners, sent Christ and he died for us on that cross. He died in our place that you and I could, through faith in Christ, be made whole and righteous again. We could be forgiven, that our sins would be separated from us as far as the east is from the west and buried on the bottom of the ocean floor through faith in Christ, that we would have a purity that would never, was never our own. We'd have a righteousness that was never earned or deserved, but we'd, we'd have one given to us by Christ in the victory that he accomplished. The work of God is this, that you would believe in the one that he sent. So believe today. But then, then what happens in Ephesians, Paul says, you were saved by grace through faith. We just talked about that. You believe you're saved through, by grace through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. And in verse 10, it says, we are his workmanship. Those who have put faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So let's go back to our conversation about retirement out of God's work. I get that there can be weariness. I get that there can be a time of fatigue. I get that there's times you look around and you're like, where are all the other workers? And there's a burden there. Listen, you might be one of the lazy ones right now. Just the, when everyone looks around and says, where are the workers? You're the one that's not doing the thing that God has asked you to do. God is raising us up. We are, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're like, oh, that's good, Brandon. I'll figure that out eventually. You better figure it out now because he, God prepared them ahead of time for us to do. God has prepared something for you, friend. If you're a Christ follower, if you have trusted him as Savior, he has prepared something for you to do. And listen, Christian service, Christian work, those works are not something to be done by proxy. Well, what does that mean? That's an old word, right? When you go to a meeting and you, or you can't attend a meeting, you send a proxy, someone that would stand in your place and fill your spot. That is not how Christian service works. When God has called you and equipped you to do a work, it is your work to be done, not somebody else's work. And when it's not being done, there is a hole. There is something missing. And, and certainly we look around and say, where are all the workers? Jesus said that, right? Pray to the Lord of the harvest. He'd send workers into the field. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And it's so true, even in the middle of COVID, and especially now. It, it, it's one of those times that's been really weird for Christ followers because we have been used to working hard and being diligent about service and ministry. But when, when the government said, hey, stop what you're doing, go home and stay there, we thought, oh, that's kind of nice. We kind of get a break now, don't we? Kind of get some days off. And, and certainly, many people have used them for times of spiritual refreshment and renewal, but it should grow in us our desire to do what God has asked us to do in whatever season he asked us to do it. We don't stop serving the Lord because COVID. We don't stop serving the Lord because of tough times and seasons in our life. We continue the work that he wants us to do. And sometimes that work is to be refreshed and replenished, but often that work is to love others. Always that work is to love others and to serve others towards the glory of of God. He has something for us to do. It's yours. And it's yours by the power of God. I want us to understand that. We get weary at times because we, we go working hard within our own power. And that's not what it says to do here. It says to excel in the work of the Lord. And it's the work of the Lord. It's not your work. It's the work of the Lord. The work the Lord wants to do through you and with you. Our job is to yield to that. 
Our job is to yield to God and say, in your strength, God, I am going to do the work that you have called me to do. I will, and you will supply what I need. You will give me the energy. You will give me the passion and excitement. It starts from being, doing the first work, right? Believing. And then being steadfast and immovable, growing and excelling so that we know and we're, we're ready. We're fortified to do the work the Lord has called us to do. Paul writes to Titus and he says that he gave himself, Jesus, uh, to redeem us from all the lawlessness and to cleanse us or and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good work. See, there needs to be an eagerness on the parts of Christians. An eagerness that says, I am going to abound and excel and overflow, not only in growth, but in love and work and service to others. And, and this, this next verse in Galatians is really one that started my pep talk this uh, last week. Galatians 6, beginning in verse 9 and going through 10. Paul writes, Let us not get tired of doing good. Or, or other translations, Let us not grow weary from doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Listen, we ought to be working hard in the Lord's power and see the fruit that he is going to produce through that. And that's, that leads us to the final part of today's message. In view of the victory, we're to know that it's not in vain. And it's, it's cyclical, right? It's the chicken or the egg. Which comes first? We know that there is a victory to be had in Jesus Christ because he's had victory over death, sin and death for us and that through the resurrection, the power of the resurrection. And that victory has produced in us a steadfastness and, and helped us to be immovable and to abound and excel in the Lord's work. And that work will produce a fruit and that fruit will not be in vain because he has conquered death. That when we produce a fruit, when we point people to Jesus, it is not in vain because he did not die in vain. He has all the power over sin and death that he could ever have. Know that it's not in vain. That's the promise here in 1 Corinthians 15. My brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Why do we do that? Because of the victory and because we know it's not in vain. Paul writes in Philippians, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now only in my, uh, not only in my presence, but now more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good pleasure. This is a key passage to hold on to here. Verse 13, for it is, God uh, it is God who is working in you to will and to work according to his good purpose. So it's God. Do everything then without grumbling and arguing so that you might be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. Listen, as we let God fill us up, as we let him work in us to do his work according to his good purpose, we will shine like stars. We will stand out against the crowd, above the crowd, beyond the crowd. They will look and say, wow, why are they so different? What's so different about them? And it's that we have this immovable, unshakable faith in the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, who has conquered death once and for all. And we know that that faith is not useless. We know that that faith is not worthless. We know that that faith will not be in vain and the work we do for the Lord's service will not be in vain. It will draw and lead people to a saving faith in Jesus Christ.
Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. It's so important for us. This is not for nothing. We don't labor in vain. We don't excel and abound in vain. God has not had the victory over death in vain. It is all for his glory. Finally, 1 Thessalonians 1.3. I love this. Again, this is the legacy of this not being in vain. We don't always see the fruit. Listen, that's the hard part, right? We have to know that it's not in vain, although we don't always see the fruit to help us know it's not in vain. I do think God gives us promises. He gives us glimpses of that, and sometimes he gives us full-on fruit. And I hope you've seen that. But here's what, what Paul writes to 1 Thessalonians, or in 1 Thessalonians 1.3. He says, We recall the presence of our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, when you have a work, when you see, a, here he says, the presence of God, when you see the presence of God the Father in your life, when you have a work produced by faith and a labor that's motivated by love, and an endurance inspired by the hope of Jesus Christ, he says, we recall that. We see that. That stirs gratefulness in our heart. That stirs a desire to obey in our heart. We see that. We see that. People see our faithfulness. Christians see your faithfulness. They see how you excel and abound in the Lord's work. They see how you love unconditionally and appropriately. They see that. They see how you're steadfast and immovable. And when they see that, they recall that and they respond with joy, hope. They respond with steadfastness themselves. It's contagious. Not only to Christians, though. It's contagious to the unbelieving. Jesus says, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. People are watching, watching us. And if we look like them, if we look shaken, if we look weary, there's nothing attractive about that. They just plant themselves there and stay there. But if we take away uh, our, our hope in, in the shakeable and, and put our burdens on the Lord, He will care for us. He will carry us. He will sustain us. Church, my prayer for you, my prayer for me, my pep talk for me, is that I wouldn't grow tired or weary from doing good but I would be steadfast, immovable, abounding, excelling, increasing in growth in the Lord and in my love for the body of Christ and in the Lord's service, knowing that my work for the Lord will not be in vain. God bless you guys. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have given us the word of God. God, that, that the word excels in our hearts, it grows in our hearts, it sustains us. But God, the word points us to the victory that you have had over sin and death. And we are so thankful for that victory. God, and through that victory, we know that as we abound in you, we know that as we are steadfast and immovable, excelling and overflowing, we know that as we work in, in the work you have us do, that it will not be in vain because your victory was not in vain. Your victory is the only way to have real hope. So help us abound in that. Help us Help us look like the followers of Christ that you've intended us to look. That people would see you as they look at our life. They would recall your glory, your goodness, and your presence in our lives. And God, they would hunger for that themselves. We ask and pray in Jesus' name.
Amen.